Hi, it's Gary Grace from Metal Maelstrom Coalition in England, and you're listening to Misery Point Radio. Wanderers, thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. I want to take this opportunity to wish you all a happy fucking new year and let you know that I appreciate the hell out of all of you for enduring the dry spell and reuniting with me here in the wasteland. You know, I got all your emails, all your messages, all your voicemails, and of course, all of your unsolicited dick pics over the last couple of months during my excessively long absence, and I do apologize for that. Thank you for your concern. I promise I'm fine. Let's just say that I had an unexpected life event to deal with, but enough about me. Let's talk about the metal. Today's victim, I mean guest, is a good friend of mine from, you guessed it, across the pond in the UK, where he runs an epic online metal page called Metal Maelstrom, which ultimately sprouted extra appendages and grew into the metal supergroup that is the Metal Maelstrom Coalition. And I'm, of course, talking about the one and only Gary Groves. And if Metal Maelstrom sounds familiar, you might remember that I had his MMC counterpart, George Van Buren, on a few episodes back. Gary was originally slated to be on that episode as well, but as fate had it, he decided he wanted to take some time off and went out and swallowed a case of the Rona. So a few weeks back, I made good on my promise by forcing Gary to talk to me against his will and dig into the stuff that GVB and I didn't get into, such as the finer details of the Metal Maelstrom Coalition, their epic guest musicians so far, the absolutely legendary guests that are tentatively lined up to contribute, and how Gary sees the evolution of the band. We also dug up some dirt by inadvertently discussing the David Ellison controversy, the new Iron Maiden album, and tiptoeing around the very divisive subject of Metallica fandom, and you can guess how that one probably went, right? So, finish up with that enema, plop down on those plastic sheets, and fill your ear holes with another sexy conversation. Check this shit out. Hey, Gary, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for joining me on Misery Point Radio. Glad we could finally make this happen after talking about it for like the last 150 years. I'm glad to be here. Really yeah. glad to be talking across the, uh, across the pond, as it were. Across the pond, which, you know, uh, you folks over there in the old UK make up a massive amount of my listener base. So um always stoked to talk to you guys across the pond. One of these days I'll make the swim and actually get out there, but uh has has yet to happen. So how's things going over there in the UK right now? All right. Cold, wet, usual. <laughs> the usual. <laughs> yeah, the usual English kind of rain, wind. Yeah. We've had a bit of snow. Well, you know, it's funny because I'm in the Seattle area uh, here in the U.S., which is pretty much known for rain, fog and wind. So uh, we have like the uh, the London weather uh, people always tell us. So uh, whereabouts are you uh, in the U.K.? Uh, Derby in the Midlands. I'm about 50 miles from Nottingham. Okay. About 45, about 45 minute drive from Birmingham. Right on. Okay. 
Uh, Birmingham, where so many legendary acts have come from, for sure. So, uh, well, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, your page. We're going to talk about Metal Maelstrom. We're going to talk about the epic supergroup that was kind of born out of that concept in general. But first, let's uh, let's let the listeners invade your privacy just a little bit. So tell us about yourself, who you are. You know, I know where you come from now, uh, at least where you're at now. But, uh, you know, when did you start playing music and uh, what were some of the bands and artists that kind of got you going? Um, I started playing bass when I was about 16, okay. so down here a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> Maiden, really. Yeah, Maiden, really. I uh, went to see Maiden on the Summer in Time tour, and Steve Harris just blew me away, and from that minute I knew that I just wanted to play bass. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my style as well. I'm very fingers, very galloping. I'm none of this sort of Jacko Pistorius sort of lead bass malarkey i'm just the solid sort of galloping along in the back so no crazy uh slappy punchy jumpy um all over the place stuff that's that's not your cup of tea no i've tried to do the slapping stuff and i can't quite get it right so i thought well <laughs> give that one never got on with a pick um even though i love people like jason newston and uh, david ellison and people like that um never ever got on with it i just can't get to grips with it if you excuse the expression <laughs> there um, you go pun intended so yeah it's pretty yeah play with my fingers all the way so about 16 years old there uh high school high school age you started playing decided you wanted to get into kind of bands and go from there and did you you kind of took on that that influence from uh from mr harris and kind of did you go the metal route right off the bat or, or did you experiment with other different styles as well it was metal straight out, to be honest. Um, although the very first band I was in was a bit of a mix. Um, I was kind of your, your maiden and then thrash. Oh. The guitar, the guy who played guitar, he was more of a glammy fan. He was Molly Crew Poison that way. Uh, and the drummer was a bit of an altern- alternative fan, so not more like Nirvana and grunge and that kind of thing, um, which kind of worked strangely. And then, you know, yeah, I was, well, I was, I, I was taking it far too seriously. And, <laughs> so you, know, you wanted to I, kind of do stuff with it and they were just kind of fucking around. Yeah. Yeah. And so that didn't last very long. Um, and then I went to, uh, this is the embarrassing bit. I went to, I went to see a U2 tribute band. Okay. Um, that a friend of mine played the drums in. We were just sat there having a drink while watching him play. And then, um, they had kind of a half time in the set. He played like early stuff. They'd had a break and then played the later stuff. Um, and I was just talking to the bass player and just, he just, oh, could I have a go sort of thing. He said, yeah. So uh, I just sat there and played with or without you. Didn't think anything of it. Gave it him back, sat down, watched the rest of the, the show sort of thing. Went home, got a phone call two days later asking me if I wanted to be the bass player. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, so I said, yeah. And so they booted uh, the other dude out and, and you were yeah. in? My audition must have been that little snippet of me playing with all that. You. Um, I was there for about 18 months. Oh. I did it for a, yeah. Yeah, I was a call for a gig. Absolute call for a gig. Um, and then I got to the point where I thought, you know, my heart isn't completely in it. It's not. And, and I thought, it's not fair on me because I'm not really giving it everything i want to give it 
Um, and it's not fair on them because they've got somebody who's kind of off horse at it. So I left. Um, and they I cried. Left. And they cheered probably. And then uh, <laughs> and then I became one of those playing at home along to a CD people for, for a very, very, very long time. Um, and then I joined Heaps of Metal with Chris, Chris Heap. Yeah. Um, and then he suggested one day that I started my own page. So I did. Met George. Um, and then George just said, sort of, how'd you like to fuck about on some music? And I was, yeah, let's go for it. And it's just exploded. Yeah. So uh, shout out, shout out to, of course, uh, Chris Heap, because uh, he, he is clearly a, a brother as well as somebody who supports the scene, which is is awesome. Um, so you started a page. And so now the, the Metal Maelstrom is going about, what, 6,000 kind of members, give or take somewhere in there? Yeah, just over 6,000. Yeah. Yeah. And so your idea kind of when starting that was what, just to, you know, for shits and grins, just to have a page and, and support music. And all of a sudden people are like, hey, yeah. I'll, I'll hook up with you. Yeah, there was a lot of people. I was talking to a lot of people. I was thinking, I would love to be able to share the music that these bands are playing with with people. People who may not have heard of, of Sir Mark Pentagon, and I love that band, only come from literally about 20 miles down the road from me. People need to hear these smaller underground bands. It, it's such a shame for them not to get the sort of recognition that they deserve because there's some absolutely killer bands out there that we need to we need to just spread the word. And that's what it was all about for me. I've spread the word for, of, of bands from over here. People from, um, like Sarah Jacobs sends me stuff um, from over there and I, I share the hell out of it over here. It's all about good music and getting it out to people. Yeah. That's, I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, benefits. I, th I think people really, they love the, the, I don't know, the standards, if that's the right word, but you know, there's, there's plenty of established acts that will always be loved and cherished, but really the underground stuff, you know, there are so many bands out there that just don't get exposure for any number of reasons, whether or not it's, I don't know, a lack of effort or whether or not it's just not knowing kind of where to go or, or they're, they're just not good at the promotion side of things. So, I mean, I, I know that myself, I started turning to a lot of pages, um, a lot of online resources to discover bands. And um, there's so many out there that are as talented, if not more talented than some of the established acts that just don't get the recognition that they deserve. So uh, I, I have become actually quite a huge fan of of the groups and the pages and, and the social media, which on a personal level, I'm terrible at social media. Like I don't put, you know, hardly any effort into, you know, updating people on what the hell I'm doing personally. It's all turned into to music yeah. and stuff like that. But, um, so I, I you know, definitely am a, a, obviously a fan of you yourself and your pages. Uh, and you, you know, mentioned Chris and, and Sarah, of course, uh, our sister from another mister, uh, here in the States as well. So, now you hooked up with uh, then Mr. Uh, George Van Buren, GVB, uh, as he is lovingly known. And uh, not too long after that, of course, you know, uh, the illustrious Lloyd Stringer from 13th Sign uh, came on board. So, so let's talk then about the Metal Maelstrom Coalition. So it was originally George that kind of 
got that spark going and said, you should do this? Or did it come about another way? Or was it Chris? Um, he, he basically, basically, I was listening to a lot of his Necropolis stuff and I was just saying to him, yeah, this stuff's real killer. And that was really all I, all I said to him. And then um, he messaged me and said, do you, do you fancy messing about and, and trying to create some music? And I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. And then it got really serious really quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we started, we, we did the first first track, and then it was a case of, right, who can we get to sing? And I sort of thought, well, I know a few people, um, and a few bands on the page. Maybe I could reach out to some of them and, and see what's what. I'm thinking, you know, yeah, thanks for that, but, you know, I'm a bit busy at the moment, so. Um, and no, it went mental. Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe the amount of people who were saying they wanted to do it. So I, it got to the point where I got so many people saying, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll do it. I hadn't, we hadn't got enough music to do it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay, so we've opened the floodgates. Now we better get better get writing some stuff and playing recording some stuff so yeah get your um, shit together boy yeah i think we've got about 10 tracks now oh wow um there are still two with lloyd um for drums um we had um and this is where i go a little bit fanboy we had got a little bit of uh josh christian from toxic um he offered to do a solo for us um, Mark Biederman from Blind Illusion, he's offered to do a solo for us. Claudius Creamer from Possessed, oh. he, he, you know, um, he's offered to um, to put a solo down for us. Um, Cam Lee has offered to do vocals. David Ingram from, yeah, David Ingram from Benediction. If I could go back to the 17-year-old death metal fan of me and say, you know, when you get a bit old and past it, mate, you're going to be recording songs with Cam Lee and David Ingram. Pinch me. I'm having a dream. Yeah. Really. Well, you know, it's funny. So I actually saw, you know, the original post where Josh Christian had said, yeah, I'm in for this. And it was just a post, like just on the page. And I was like, and I don't know if people really, some of them probably didn't get the context of that. I mean, there was clearly a lot of people who either weren't aware of him or, you know, but I just thought that was super cool that as a casual, he's like, fuck yeah, dude, I'll do this. So, you know, count me in. And then it was just like, God, do you guys even realize who that is? It's just, I just thought that was super cool. So, um, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned those names because I was definitely going to ask you about that. So now these are people that reached out to you or were these people that you reached out to directly? Um, Josh reached out to us. Um, Chris was having a conversation with Mark Biederman and, and um, he sort of said, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm, I'm, I'm into that. Um, the people from the earlier tracks, I kind of reached out to. Um, Helen Johnson from Powderhead. Um, she sang on the very first one, leads back to me. Um, we were still cutting our teeth then. If I could go back and redo that, I'd, I'd make it a lot. It, it's, a, it's, yeah. It doesn't really know who it is, I think. Um, but then we went on to uh, Flame the Martyr with Michael Skeech from uh, All Consumed. From All Consumed, yeah. That's a, that's a fucking that, flaming track. That was a good one. Then we had um, Kieran from Ashen Crown. And 
and then uh, Ash from Pentagoid. Then uh, Lisa Skinner from Sorceress of Sin. Absolutely a massive band. I love them, I do. Um, she did The Coven, which is one of the songs I'm going to send you in a bit. Um, mega, love it. Um, then David Pope from Siderian. Um, he sang on Blood is Proof. And like I say, we've got two or three yet to come. Um, the guitar tracks are done. The drums are being done. I'm hoping I get them before I go in for hand surgery on the 16th of December. Otherwise, <laughs> they may be, yeah. Otherwise, they may be a little bit delayed. But, um, but yeah, it's all good. Well, we're gonna check out one of these songs right now. So here's Metal Maelstrom Coalition featuring the amazing Lisa Skinner from Sorcerers of Sin. This one's called The Covet. Our tapestry of spells is a tangled web.
George has very kindly asked me to contribute bass to the whole of the next Necropolis album. So I'm what? massively honored. Massive, yeah. It's a massive honor. That's crazy, especially considering he can just yeah. fucking do it himself if he wanted to. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. Well, so that's what I mean. Yeah, and I I am also a huge fan of Necropolis and and GVB and I and I think that when I listen to to MMC, I I I hear you guys spanning the spectrum of metal really i mean it's not just like a it's kind of like necropolis it's not just one style right i mean you've got some awesome female fronted sounds you've got some kind of more straight ahead death sounds uh, i love um uh, kieran scott's voice and so i'm, I'm a huge fan of, of him as and and uh grimort is awesome uh, his side project and just uh so some some pretty straight ahead and and Michael Skeech's vocals are just powerful. Uh, that dude puts out a lot of wind when he sings. So um so I I like the fact that that uh, you guys do a lot of different genres. Is there any kind of discussion amongst uh, you and Lloyd and GVB about kind of what you're going to do or is it just kind of happen organically and you just you know roll with the punches? Some of the songs we've played that I've gone do you know what? I, I know I know somebody's voice would fit that perfectly. Um, and then there's some other times we think, well, we've got, you know, somebody singing, and yeah, we really need to go down a death vein. So it it all really depends on on what's happening at the time. And um, we had one; it had a bit of a a bit of a stoner. This is one coming up for you. A um, bit of a stoner, grungy kind of feel. Um, so I sent it to Josh Morgan, who's the lead vocalist of Sinkalima, uh, used to be with Supersonic Death Monkey. Um, and he's in the process of putting, putting vocals down on that now. That's called The Sea. Um, and that'll probably be the next one that comes out. Oh, awesome. But yeah, yeah, all kind of depends on, we might have a vibe with the song and I go, do you know what? So-and-so can sing that perfectly. Or we might go, do you know, somebody's asked if they, if they can, sing on a track they're more of a of a death thrash whatever and then we try and write something that goes that way i mean george, george is so creative he's got so many ideas in that head of his he just he, he'll just throw me something and we'll, we'll just play with it yeah well now i'm curious about this because <clears throat> i know that a lot of it starts with you know george you know coming up with some riffs or some guitar ideas things like that but you yourself, how do you record your your bits? Because I mean, you're not using computers, right? How do you, or maybe is there a computer somewhere and I just don't know about it? How does that work for you? No computer. Um, I literally use voice recorder on my phone. Okay. And I literally lean it against my amp and record that way. No and shit. I'll, yeah, and I'll record maybe nine or ten different versions. I'll send them all to, to George um, and he either picks the one that he thinks is the, the best take or he cherry picks from it and mixes it together. Okay. One song. There's one song, it's almost like there's two bass lines to it and it's just how he's, he's taken two separate tracks that I did and blended them together. To me, he's a very talented man. Yeah, he's a wizard for sure. Yeah, he's my, yeah, and one of the nicest blokes I've ever met. So he sends you a track 
and yep. you just play it as a backing track, uh, some kind of headphone or something, and you just play along to yeah. it. Man, that's about as lo-fi as it gets. It's, it's, that's it's garage days, really, all uh, over again. Right. Oh, Rust. loving it. That's absolutely amazing. Um, so, how you know the process then? It, it, I assume because and now that you've got Lloyd involved, it's going through three people. Um, you know, the turnaround time per track is probably uh, considerable, I would assume. It's a lot. Yeah, it's, things have slowed down dramatically. Um, but I think it benefits from it. Playing along with a, with a drum track is one thing, but the feel of playing along with an actual drummer, uh, it just gives you a completely different vibe. It gives songs so much more impact and depth i think uh, not that i've got anything against drum tracks i know plenty of uh, solo projects that do an absolutely cracking job um but actually having a you know bona fide especially i mean i couldn't believe when he said he wanted to be part of it because i love i love 13 sign um so when he turned around and said oh yeah i'm really up for it mind blown yeah absolutely. i think uh I've said this a million times at the, at this point on air and otherwise, but Thirteenth Sign is one of my favorite bands. Just period. Um, everybody in that band is just astronomically talented, and uh, I kind of feel like they should be way more recognized uh, than they are for sure. And you know, Lloyd is kind of the the GVB of Thirteenth Sign because he's responsible for for putting a lot of that stuff together, um, and um, Ashes of a Treacherous Silence is literally one of the best albums to come out in the last 10 years. It's it's epic. Um, yeah. All right. All right, 13th sign. I'm done pimping your shit on the air now. Um, I'll be waiting for my check to arrive here. <laughs> my 12 cents. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's cool. And so, you know, you, but between the three of you, you've got you've got your work lined up. Um, and you so you said you've probably got more people that want to be involved than, than you have tracks involved. I assume at some point you, you said you've got about give or take 10. I mean, I, I've heard five or six of them, you know, that have been released on say Spotify or whatever. Is there like an album plan in the works to release on an official level? Or are you guys just going to keep, you know, slinging out the singles until time stops? Probably just keep slinging them out until time stops. Yeah. I don't, uh, to be to be completely honest, I'd love to make an album. What what a legacy for me to sort of just sort of say, well, yeah, here's the album I was on, sort of thing. Um, whether or not that actually happens, I don't know. Um, that doesn't really matter to me so much. I will I will be sort of on the ne Necropolis album, so that's that's that one. Um, see where it goes and just keep going with it. Just keep while while the creative juices are flowing, just keep going with it. And just see where where it takes us. Got it. So for you guys, the Metal Maelstrom Coalition is is a project that is kind of it kind of lives in the moment, right? Like, you know, whatever happens, we get somebody on there, then we release it, and somebody else comes on board and then we release it. So it's kind of always new then in that sense, right? There's no uh there's no nothing that says I've got this piece of material released as an album now i have to wait x amount of time to release the next one you can just keep pumping it out for keep, as long as keep going yeah 
I kind of yeah. like that idea. That's that's actually, I mean, I love albums and I love, you know, EPs and, and different works. But this, uh, I, especially since COVID, we've seen a lot of, of bands, you know, even just releasing, you know, singles so many more ahead of time. And some of them just keep releasing. I like Massacre. Those guys just kept releasing content, which I was a huge fan of um, just in general. And, you know, when I talked to Mike uh, Borders, um, he's always telling me, he's like, yeah, you know, the album, it'll come out when it comes out. But he's like, hey, we've got these songs that are going to be on the album. We're going to release them as singles. But hey, here's a cover song or here's a cool little taste or here's a reworking of an older song. So there was kind of always something to keep people enticed and excited. And um, I, I suppose I'm kind of have become a really big fan of that. You know, back in the day, you know, uh, you and I are probably around the same age there when singles were a thing and you would buy singles, like you'd go to the store or, you know, you'd buy a seven inch or you'd buy like a, you know, just a, a cassette single or something, you know, just something that was a, um, a really short piece of work and, and you'd buy all those and finally the album would come out and you'd have the whole album plus all the singles and like, man, I just spent an ass load of money on the same songs over and over again. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some of that stuff's super collectible though. Um, so I, I never fancied myself a musical collector, but over the last few years, as I started getting back into the vinyl thing, uh, which I gave up for a while because the costs started getting, you know, out of control for me. Um, but now it's kind of cool again to go back and, and look at some of that old stuff that you listened to when you were a kid. So what, uh, what are you listening to right now? I mean, what are some of the, I know Pemphigoid, those guys just keep showing up everywhere and they're, I, I really like them. And I know that you're a fan of them as well. So who else are you listening to these days? Um, I've been listening to, there's a, a band called Hellgrind um, from down south. They're, they're amazing. They've just re-released, re-released the last album, Insurrection. That's killer. Um, there was a band called Witch Tripper, which sadly had fallen to the COVID uh, issue. But thankfully... Um, the bass players started up a new band called Sinkalima, um, and they're they're killer. Um, I'm loving them. Um, Siderian, listening to them a lot. Chrysler, listening to them a lot. Um, and then, of course, I had to go back to you sort of your, your, your new maiden album. When that came out, I went back to being 16 again and bought that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting anxiously for the new Megadeth album, even though I'm a little bit upset, but we won't go down that road. Um, you're upset because of the the lack of Ellison. I'm very upset about <laughs> of Ellison. However, um, he shouldn't have been a wanker. Literally a wanker. <laughs> but boom, folks, that's the best uh, joke on the interwebs all year, right there. That um, <laughs> Yeah, I think he's been a bit of a dickhead. But you know, when it came to the music, it didn't really make any difference. He didn't. The only person who he really should, should really be pissed off with him is his family. Yeah. In my opinion, just yeah. my opinion. Me. Um, I mean, Ellison's always been a God to me. You know, I've always appreciated the way he plays. I've never been able to master it. Um, I've tried, I can't. And, and I just think, you know, yeah, he was a dickhead and yeah, he shouldn't have done what he did, but you know, to to erase his bass tracks. Yeah, mm. that was pretty fucked up. And yeah, I mean, I know he's got a brand. To, you know, you know, a lot of people hate Dayton Stone, but I think he's a god. Um, he, he, I know he's got a certain 
you know, there's a there's a certain amount of uh, well, we've got a name to keep, and you know, we don't want the name solid by that sort of thing. But I think the expense of of completely erasing all the bass tracks and get hiring somebody else to completely re-record them, especially if it's basically the same bass riffs. It just seems a bit of a waste. Well, and you know, there was, there was tension between the two Daves for a long time. So I think this was kind of the easy answer for Mustaine to, to say, Hey, listen, this is, this is not going to go any farther than this. And, you know, I, it's like you said, it's not like he did anything to anybody out there in the world other than his family. And yeah, it, it was fucked up. But, you know, the whole idea of taking away his contribution because of that, I, I still I still go rounds on that. I mean, that was like a, a personal thing that didn't, you know, unfortunately need to get made public because, you know, had that not been made public, you know, it probably the world would be going on. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, I definitely have heard both sides of that story now a million times. And, uh, I don't know what else there is to say about it, but it is unfortunate. And I guess in today's age, if you're a celebrity of any kind, I mean, you just don't do dumb shit, you know, because somebody's going to find out, you know, people don't keep their mouth shut and that's, that's how the world works. If I was to run for office, I'd be crucified. Cause you know, there's so much shit in my past, dumb things I did when I was a kid that I know for a fact would come back to haunt me. And uh, words that I shouldn't have said, phrases I shouldn't have used, and, uh, and you know, the, the mischievous activities of, uh, of young lads is, uh, it's oh, out there in the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm just glad there was no camera phones when I was a kid. Oh my God, dude. Could you imagine? No, I don't want to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the the unfortunate side of where we're at, you know, in the world with music, with artists in general, I think, not just musicians, but it's kind of like there's that strange dichotomy that we feel like we have to support everything about their personal life in order to support their art as well. And I hear, you know, I talk to people all the time, you know, band politics is a bitch personal politics is a bitch this guy used to like this guy but now doesn't and you're friends with this person but now you're expected to not be friends with that person or not listen to that person's music because this person doesn't like them and now they're mad at you for still liking that person and they don't like that person or this guy did this like 30 years ago and uh, and you're supposed to know the entire story it just gets so convoluted i'm like man i just want to listen to some music i just want to you know i just want to kick back and not think about everything that went into that person's life for the last 30. I mean, obviously if somebody's out there killing people, then sure. But you know, if a guy wants to have a go at himself (laughs) and uh, that's the worst part of it. Okay, dude, you know, you fucking, you know, you made your bed there, but you know, I'm not going to go through life hating you over it. Even if I disapprove of your choices. So that's, that's where I'm at. So uh, maybe, maybe you can get uh, Ellison uh, in the MMC and uh you know have him contribute to a wank track or something yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah <laughs> well i don't know it depends on how much strength he's got in his wrist yeah oh gaz with the jokes well, just throwing them out there but anyway as far as megadeth's concerned um i'm looking forward to the album can't wait to hear it i really want to know who played bass on it um and i'll see him live when they tour so it's not really changed anything. Now you mentioned 
you mentioned the new Maiden, and I'm not one to talk smack about music, but honest opinion. How do you like that new Maiden? Now, now I love it. Yeah. How long? Did, how I many listens did it take to get you? Took it did take me a while. It did take me a while. Um, yeah. At <laughs> first, I was thinking, well, you know, it's it's Maiden. You haven't really got to prove anything to anybody anymore. They can really play what they want to play and how they want to play it. However, um, we've got a certain, this is what Maiden sound like. This is what Maiden do. And that was a bit, hmm, at first, this is a bit different. I love it now. I love it now. I think that's the challenge that we have um, twofold, I think. Number one is as fans of music like yourself and myself, you have an expectation of a band that you listen to. But the flip side is that as musicians ourselves, a lot of times you can understand that artists want to try different things to not pigeonhole themselves. Um, but I've often wondered this. I've heard that new Maiden now a few times myself, and I still can't quite commit to saying that I like it. But Every time I listen to it, I'm picking up more bits and pieces. I feel like I have to put effort into it, though. Like, I'm looking for something to say, you know, hey, this 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 Steve Harris is just blowing me away with these bass lines, and I'm not really getting that. And, you know, Bruce Dickinson, we all know that he's just been phoning it in for years. But um, the sound of the album, I think, is great. The production is good. Everything, you, you listen to it, and you go, oh, yeah, there's definitely a Maiden vibe to it. Um, you can hear it right away that you know that's what it is. And I guess that's just the hard part of a band that's been around for so long. How much new ground can you expect an artist to, to cover and not just have it sound derivative of either itself or uh, just that it's they just have now... I guess lost whatever direction that they had, and I think Maiden's that one of those bands that they've they've just done everything. I mean, what else is there for them to do? Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I was kind of expecting a, a concept album when I first heard about the you know the Balthazar's Feast and all of that. And I thought, oh, that could be quite interesting. I love Seventh Son. Maybe maybe that's the road we're going. And then we didn't get that. And um, we got the second. I mean, two. I listened to disc one far more than disc two. Um, it's the, it, this disc two's the over 10 minute songs, which are great. I, I love like Empire of the Clouds and Robert H. Marino and all of that stuff. But straight after each other, it's a bit like listening to a prog album. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like listening to, you know, Supper's Ready by Genesis. It's 20 minutes of the same song. And after a while you get a bit, I, 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 I lose interest a bit too quickly sometimes. Are you familiar with Fate's Warning? The band Fate's Warning? A little bit. So they had an album, and, and this album is, it's one song broken up into 12 pieces, and um, the songs are literally called Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, Part 4, Part 5, and it's not a, it's not anything you can listen to while doing other things. It's like you have to sit down and absorb the entire piece of work. Otherwise, you'll just get lost and you won't figure out how all the pieces went together. It took me forever to um, to get to that point where I really like it. And now I really, really, really like it. But it's kind of something I have to say, listen, I'm going to listen to this now um, and I'm not going to do other shit um, because I want to hear all of the awesomeness. And I think Maiden, they're kind of one of those bands too. You know, it's like um, 
their songs, their, their longer songs, there's just so much stuff going on in there that you do have to kind of pay attention to, to hear all the fine yeah. details. And uh, it's not like they're just jamming, you know, like an Iron Butterfly or Grateful Dead 30-minute jam session of randomness. It's put in there, like, really methodically, which uh, I'm a huge fan of concept albums and just just long pieces in general. So I do like that. Yeah, it's good. It just took a bit of listening to, I think. At least, at least they, they've not gone straight too far, too far from the path that they're on. They're all bands that I've listened to that you expect a certain thing from. And then you get an album and you go, hello. You're... <laughs> I'm not even going to mention the name of the band, really, but the first four albums were amazing and then they went off the track. I think you can imagine who I'm talking about now. Um, yeah. And an album with the word puppets in it rings a bell. Yeah, that was a brilliant album. <laughs> and then, and then they had an album with no bass on it, which really fucked me off. You know, I was, I was really pissed off with that. And then, hello, complete sellout album. I thought, mm, okay, wow, yeah, you went yeah. down that road, which is a road that I've gone down. And that conversation is probably of all the conversations to have with fans of metal. That conversation is the most polarizing. And uh, I think that I tow that line between, you know, wanting to be supportive of whatever directions that bands want to go and, and this and that. And, hey, I get it. There's there's factors X, Y and Z times a million of why you chose to do that. But you like what you like, you know, and if you're a fan of a certain sound and that sound is no longer, you know, present, then you have to say, well, I still support them, but maybe I'm just not a fan of these works. But how many times can you say that and still say that you're a fan of the band? And I struggle with that um, because you don't want to be an elitist, you know. No, I'd say I'm still a fan of the band. Definitely still a fan of the band. Um. And I go back to certain albums and I think, actually, you know what? That's not as bad as I, as I used to think it was. Um, when the Black Album first came out, I was, uh, no, donate, no. I was, well, what was I, 20, 21? No, that's not them. I don't want to hear it. Take it off, throw it away. Don't want to listen to it. Um, and then I listened to it a bit and I thought, eh, it's not as bad as that. You know, come on, Gary, you know, stop being a, a dickhead. It, it's, it's still, you can still tell who it is. I thought, all right. But then, um, then the, the next album came out. <laughs> well, when that and next that, album came out, and then all of a sudden the Black album was not nearly as bad, right? You're like, oh. Black album was one of the best albums I'd ever made when that came out. <laughs> I mean, I, I reckon they haven't, they didn't name the album completely. They should have done it like a Megadeth with Peace Sells, duh, 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 but who's buying? Right. It should have been like, load, duh, 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 of oh, shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> we just said that in stereo. That's funny. Um, it's, it's not, you know, and now I look back on it again all, all these years later, and it's not as bad. Not as bad as, you know, apart from one song that I can't forgive him for ever, which I'm, I'm not even going to mention. Well, let's just say, Mama said, you know what I mean? <laughs> I got gotcha. you. It's, man, I'll tell nah. you what, I have. I have struggled with that for, for a long time, just it, with artists in general that, you know, you're just like, man, as a creative person myself who has done absolutely nothing to contribute to the world, who am I to shit on somebody else's, you know, piece of creativity? You know, it's kind of like, 
hey, well, they made a mark on this or they influenced this or you know, any number of bands that you can do that to. And, and uh, it took me a long time to get to the point where I can just say, this is either for me or not for me. But hey, you know, have at it, gents. You've got to appreciate the effort and the that. Um, you know, somebody needs to buy somebody a metronome so they can keep time properly. But, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, what song is it where he drops the time and then he picks it back up again? And he, actually, it's a mistake, but it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. I think it's blackened. I think it's blackened. When you're counting it, if you're counting it, he drops a beat. And then a bit later on, he picks it back up again. And it's a completely, you know, it's a complete accident. Yeah. But it's the most amazing piece of music. I know that uh, as a bassist, the whole uh, getting getting wiped off the vinyl <laughs> is is pretty uh, a pretty shitty thing to deal with. I absolutely love the sound of that album, except for that component of it. Like, I love, I'm a guitarist, so for me, it was like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know. But I, I, for me, I guess I looked at that album as very technical and you know it had moved in a different direction from the other albums in the sense that it, it it was a very serious album right that album is really you know had some messages they wanted to send and so i guess when the next album came out i was expecting an evolution of justice right i, I and then yes. it went completely the polar opposite and took a step back and just went you know kind of with more of a a relaxed simplified approach which and that album sounds fantastic, though. I, I really like the mix on that. I like how all the albums sound, and you could hear the bass, of course. Um, and it just it was a good production. Um, but I guess that was where the purist in me wanted to see the next step, like the next evolution yeah. of technicality. Um, and so that that was my reasoning, I think, for for not being as excited about you know Black when I heard it, but. Um, and I guess I'm probably taking that same step, you know, when I listen to all of those old school bands, you know, the maidens and the priests and, and, uh, you know, even, you know, the bands like Testament that they, they come out with stuff and you just go, yeah, it's really good, but maybe I'm just old and nostalgic. I just, it doesn't, doesn't make me want to, you know, smash my head up against the wall because it's so full of energy and newness. And I think, you know, to bring this back home to, I guess the project that you're doing you will always be working with new artists who will always bring something new to the table. There's not going to be that, that element of, well, we've already done this because you just have all these different people from different backgrounds involved. Um, is that, is that something that you've thought about consciously? It is something we thought about consciously, actually. Yeah. Um, not wanting to be pigeonholed, like you said, each you know, each new vocalist or each new guitar player that comes in, they bring a different kind of energy to it. And there's been times when we've 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 had a song, and we've had the guitar uh, part back, and I've said to George, "Let me redo the bass because you know, it's got a completely different vibe now to what we had in the first place." And we'll, and we'll redo it like that. And yeah, it's it's great having the freedom. I think is a way of putting it because we're not. We're not we're not expected to fit a certain like you say, like with bands like Metallic and Maiden and and Anthrax and all the they've all got it, it, oh yeah, it, that sounds like Maiden. Whereas you could listen to two of our songs back to back and the, the, you might not think they were the same band all the time. 
and I like that. I think I think that's probably my favorite thing about it, and that's also why it works as a quote unquote not album format. Because once you put it on an album, then you're forced to try to find the cohesiveness in it all. Versus, hey, we just put out stuff, you know, and it is what it is, and uh, I, I think that's awesome. So you'd mentioned that you've got a few kind of already recorded, just waiting on some final touches, and uh, so. The next three songs coming out, are those kind of already planned out and good to go? Um, One is, one's with vocals now being done for vocals. Um, We're waiting for the drums. We're waiting on our illustrious drummer who's so busy with 13th Sign as well. Yeah. You know. Playing some shows finally after a while. Definitely. So the the fact that he's even committed to to giving us some time. You don't want to, I don't want to nag him all the time about, hey, have you done that drum track yet? Have you? So, yeah. The ball is very firmly in Lloyd's court at the moment um, with the two that we've got. But I know George has got ideas. And uh, <clears throat> the uh, the artists that have expressed the interest, uh, you know, Josh and, and Claudius and, and Cam, um, is there anything in their hands as of yet, or are we still kind of in the pre-planning stages? Still in the pre-planning stages, really. I'm I'm just hoping they don't change their minds. That's a big worry for me, but I don't I don't think they will. Um, so you know, I'm going to um, I'm going to see Memorial tonight in Birmingham, um, and I'm going to have a word with Carl Willits, the singer. Oh. And, all right, yeah. Carl. I'm just going to put this out there that uh, I think Carl Willits is easily in the top metal vocalists of all time, and uh, you know, going back many, many moons. Of course, uh, you know, Bolt Thrower is a thing of the past, but Memoriam, so powerful, so epic. It just taken that the old concept, making it new, and and keeping it with that just epic sound that they have so uh if you get carl on board um i'm gonna go on the record and say i'm just gonna shit my pants um so if you want to see me shit my pants carl you know what you have to do (laughs) uh i will probably shit my pants talking to him on saturday to be fair (laughs) Uh, yeah again go back to 18 year old me go bolt throw a fan well can you imagine yeah so I guess don't worry. About twenty years time, you'll be, you know. Nah. Since we're talking about Bolt Thrower, randomly, favorite Bolt Thrower album? Which one? Warmaster. Oh, Warmaster. Right, I'm a Fourth Crusade guy, um, but uh, yeah, Four Victory so good. They're they're just, they're all really good, man. They're so yeah, good. I mean, I I think I go for Warmaster just because it was really the first one I threw myself into properly. Um. And I'd love to know what Joe Bench is doing there. Dude, it's funny you mention that. I've reached out a million times to people trying trying to just figure out what's going on and I just like nobody responds. So maybe if you uh if you get a chat with uh with uh, Mr. Willits there, just ask him, hey, you know, is she still still in the biz? She's still doing something. I'd just love to know. If I if I find anything out, I'll let you know. Oh, so cool. So all right, brother. Um, we're going to wind this down, but I'm going to put you on the spot. We talked about a couple of musicians here. And so I'm going to have you choose as if your life depended on it. Oh my God. Are you ready for this? So, all right. (laughs) 
all all bass players, uh, there is no wrong answers, of course, but just uh, the first thing that pops to your mind. So, all right, we're going to go Tony Dolan or Tom Araya. Tony Dolan. Good choice, man. All right, since we were talking about these two earlier, we're going to go Jason Newstead or David Ellison. Oh. <laughs> Tough one for you. I, uh, I can't choose. I really can't. Newstead for me, he, he was the fanboy that got the perfect job. So I can relate completely to everything that Jay, because I love Flotsam. Love Flotsam. Um, although if he had never joined Metallica, maybe I'd have never heard of Flotsam and Jetsam. So that did me a favor in that way. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the first bass riff I ever really wanted to play was Peace Cells. No, I can't choose between them two. That, that'd have to be a draw. Okay. Well, then I have some um, other harder I'm ones one, for you, too. That's one draw. <laughs> okay. We'll see if I don't stump you again, then. All right. Uh, Getty Lee or Lemmy? Getty Lee. All right. I know. That's a bit controversial. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, they're both awesome, and they're both front men, and they both had their own style. So uh, uh, I'm going to go a little bit more uh, on the heavier stuff here. We're going to say uh, Alex Webster or Steve DiGiorgio. Steve DiGiorgio. Stevie D for the win, even though you're yeah. not like a super fan of crazy, weird, lead guitar-y bass wizardry. Yeah, I'm not. But the, the stuff he's done with Testament just lately and, and – yeah, it's sadists and stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Geezer Butler, John Paul Jones. Uh, Geezer Butler. All right. Okay. This one's going to, this one's probably going to get you. I think I know which, which way you're going to go. This will be the last one, but two tough ones. Steve Harris, which I already knew about you, that you're a Harris fanboy, but another legend, Cliff Burton. Oh, you've done it to me again. I did. Uh, You've done it to me again, but I definitely lean more towards Steve Harris. Yeah, just because of the original influence. Just because of my yeah, my first. Having said which, I did see um, Cliff on the Puppets tour not long after I saw Metallica. Uh, not long after I saw Maiden, so probably one of the last few gigs he ever did, and I was I was mind blown by him. That's a uh, that whole situation, obviously to this day, still resonates with people and it's still hard for for people to talk about but you know definitely uh you know two two people who have formed um the backbone of of metal projects that have gone on to to influence countless numbers of fans and musicians so i would have a hard time picking that one but i will say that i myself am as not a bass player i'm a huge steve harris fanboy and uh as far as like maiden goes for me um it was somewhere in time and seventh son that that i felt like really his bass lines were just i mean not only were they super audible like they were really clear in the mix but he was doing just stuff that was just mind-blowing to me and i know that those that era of maiden like the purists are like oh fuck you you like all the all the technical studio stuff which i do um but those were just such fantastic sounding albums and i loved his bass work like clairvoyant to me i think um that particular bass line in clairvoyant is one that will always stand out to me um it just i i remember 
wanting to play bass just to learn that song. <laughs> um, yeah, so. I need to play that song. So yeah, I'll be me. Yeah, right on. Well, hey, thanks for for playing the uh, pick this guy over that guy game, which everybody hates. But um, I always like to get the uh, get the perspective. So we got uh, some stuff hopefully coming down the road from Metal Maelstrom Coalition sometime soon. Hopefully, no pressure, Lloyd, but get your shit together. And uh, <laughs> why don't you uh, tell people out there in radio and podcast land how they can listen to your amazing uh musicians and and songwriters and all that stuff where do they find your music online uh, we're on amazon we're on spotify um just type in metal maelstrom coalition um you'll find on the pages we we talk about mmc quite a lot just our way of shorting it because it's quite a mouthful um but yeah we're on amazon and we're on spotify so check us out yeah, check us out. And don't forget to follow their pages on the Book of Faces as well. There's the Metal Maelstrom, uh, the group, and then there's the Metal Maelstrom Coalition. So two separate places you can go to check out all of the awesomeness. I'd like to thank my brother, Gary Gross, for hanging out today on Misery Point Radio. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, I know you got an upcoming surgery, uh, so hope that all goes well. And I'm Thanks. sure that uh, you're going to be playing bass again real soon. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, brother. Well, there you have it. Another killer conversation with a hell of a cool dude. Thanks again to Gary Groves. And thanks, of course, to all of you out there in radio and podcast land for your patience during my self-imposed exile. I'm glad to be back with y'all on the wasteland here and looking forward to getting back to my regular every other week schedule where I force you against your will to listen to the absolute drivel that pours out of my stink hole like the verbal diarrhea that it is. Speaking of schedules going forward after today, I will be releasing these episodes every other Wednesday, so we'll call that Wasteland Wednesday, until the full station launches later this summer, and then we'll revisit that. But for now, that's where we'll leave it. So let's close out the start of this new year with one more song from Metal Maelstrom Coalition. This one features the legendary David Pope from Siderian, and it's called Blood Is Proof. Check it! This time ain't no Destroy every control again If it's the sympathy inside Run to the safest option now This moment's wrong Destroy